God damn this. Did you hit the record button yet? I hit the record button. So three, two, one. Oh, that was nice. And your hands kind of looked like a vagina in front of the camera. They, Welcome we to the spoiler <laughs> cast episode. Spoiler discussion of Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice on PS4 As I like to and say, PC. Hellblade, I Am Senua's Sacrifice. Oh my God. There were so many times I kept calling this game I Am Setsuna instead yeah. of Senua's Sacrifice. Yep. Um... Yeah. Weird weird name. <laughs> Two completely different games that have absolutely nothing to do with each other. But Senua, Setsuna, get it? Mm-hmm. Get it? I do. I do. That's why I said it. Right off the bat, let's talk about the title. I kind of yeah. think it's dumb. Absolutely. There is it, a Hellblade in it at a certain point in the game. Well, but kind I of. I mean, the hell that we go to, Helheim, and Hella. They all have one L in it. It's a completely. It's not even the same hell. Yeah. So calling that threw it me off at first L's? because I was. And they kept saying hell, hell, hell over and over again. I don't have this, the captions on, and I was reading things online about it, and I'm, and I'm like hell one L, hell one L. I'm like, wow, there's a lot yeah. of typos in this. <laughs> <laughs> and I did more research and realized that I was the idiot. I or, think it also the title Hellblade. It's like the antithesis of Heavenly Sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, it puts uh, an expectation that's going to be very combat heavy. And I think that's the wrong expectation to go into with this game. And you'll kind of be disappointed if you expect it to be a super like, oh man, I'm going to hack and slash. And especially coming from the people who made Heavenly Sword and Devil May- or sorry, DMC. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of furthers that expectation. There's a lot of combat in the game, but it's not the central focus. No, it is absolutely not the central focus of the game. Overall, I fucking love this game. It is one of my favorite games now of all time, but we all know that I get a boner for good stories and good storytelling, mm-hmm. so that obviously is why I might enjoy it a little bit more than you did, even though I yeah. I think you like it a lot. But I think this is going to be a game that's going to point out, I think, are big differences in how we approach games, and then I approach it from yeah. a gameplay perspective, and not that you don't, but I think you tend to lean more towards story than gameplay. Right, which is why you loved Zelda, and I thought it was a piece of trash. Yep. Because the story was garbage in that it was, game. Yeah, it was the story. Shit. I'll say the story in this game is really, really, really good. I was still very confused in the beginning of the game of what the story was really about until I got about halfway into it. Yeah, and there's a, there's a moment where um, uh, I can't remember the exact moment, but there's a moment where she's talking about her like lost lover or something like that, and it started to make more sense for me. And I wasn't sure if I just wasn't paying enough attention in the beginning or if it's halfway through the story it starts to become clear. So let's let's talk about the story a little bit. Yeah. We start out and we're just this girl canoeing on a little river made out of some logs. Mm-hmm. There's a, a breathing head on our belt. Yep. Uh, and you are this Celtic warrior girl who is going into Viking territory in the Norse, the, the people who believe in Norse mythology mm-hmm. and things like that. And so you're kind of learning about this along the way. Yeah. So while you're while you're canoeing up, the, the one thing is you must wear headphones for this game. Yes. yes I played yes, yes. for like 30 minutes without headphones, and it was not the same experience. As you're going and you're canoeing, there are like voices in your head talking to you. And they're kind of coming from different directions, but they're all from within your head. At least the yeah. character's head. Senua's head. Yeah. And they're kind of filling you in on a lot of the stuff. And while you're there, too, the scenery is gorgeous. Yeah, but I'll let you continue the story because I yeah, think you so understand story, the story more. We're than getting I do. to we're we're going in. The whole point of the story is she has the head of her dead lover, the the person who really only ever kind of treated her as an adult with this quote unquote sickness that she has, or treated her as a person really. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he was viciously killed and this torture method where they have like the skin or not, I guess it's not torture maybe they might have done it after he was dead where like the skin of his back and he's all strung up and things like that but apparently according to this mythology if you take his head to Hela the person who guards Helheim where all these souls go from suicide and all these like types of death then she can kind of set him free uh, so that's her overall mission is to go and and get What's his name? I haven't played it in a couple of weeks. Um, Such with a D. T- Dillion. Dillion. Dillion, yeah, Dillion. Go and kind of make peace with Dillion and, and allow him to kind of move on. And uh, So that's her main goal. But along the way, she's afflicted with psychosis. That's just her, this mental illness that she has. And psychosis is defined by two things, and it is uh, hallucinations. So seeing things or hearing things or even feeling, or tasting, smelling, all these things that aren't actually there. And delusions. So, like, giving meaning to things that actually have no meaning at all, or seeing things as more significant than they actually are in real life. Um, So these are things that she's struggling with, and the gameplay is so ingrained in these two concepts as you're kind of going through these things, and... um, as you're approaching, like, needing to get the sword that lets you... It's the only sword that's able to kill Hela, and she puts so much meaning into this real one sword that really doesn't quite matter that much. Um, spoiler. But, yeah, this is a spoiler discussion. I so don't she, you mentioned spoiler. Yeah, yeah we did. Said that? Okay. I said it's a Start spoiler sure. chat. It's the first thing we said after I said your hands look like a vagina. That's true. That's true. My hands do look like a vagina all the time. They do. So she gets the sword. She makes her way to the center of Helheim with Hela there, and she realizes that uh, the reason she has a psychosis and that her, her the the event that she realized kind of spawned all of this psychosis is her mom being killed in front of her, because her mom had this thing that she called the darkness, uh, which is her psychosis as well. Uh, and her dad. It takes us a long time ago. They yeah, didn't know a about long, psychosis long, long, yet. long time ago. Yeah, hence Vikings and Celtics. Yeah. Um, Vikings and Celtics are still around, dummy. You're right. It's a show on Hulu. That's right, Vikings. <laughs> So her dad kills his mom, kills her mom in front of her, burns her alive, and that kind of scars her and starts this this mental illness within her. And then she finds out that you know her dad's a very bad person. We find out that he had uh, made her sit in this kind of solitary confinement hole in the ground with runes written all over the sides of the walls. Um, and so she's fucked up, and she finds this boy named Dillian one day, who. She, she's looking at him from afar. She's like studying yeah. him as he's fighting and things like that. And then one day she approaches him and he's like, Hey, how are Who are you? And she's like super shy. And she's like, not used to people talking to her. And then she falls in love with him and they have a great time. And then, uh, daddy says, Nope, you're not to see him again. Banishes her murder in the court. Dillian's dead. She gets to the end, realizes all this shit is, daddy's fault he's a bad person and that when she goes to try to kill hella she can't kill hella and she realizes that it's all kind of in her head and at the very end she moves on and she decides hey i need to put you to rest dillian not only in like a sense that i need to let you go but i need to move on myself and realize that i depended on you for so much of who i am and my importance in life because you saw me as a person so i leaned on you but i need to realize that i'm a strong person myself and there's, I need to to let you go in that aspect and not rely on you so much for my own self worth. 
a, a very consistent theme throughout the game. And something that she experiences throughout her journey that really comes to fruition at the very end is that the, the toughest battles are the battles of your mind. Yeah. Like the battle of, of self-identity and kind of finding out who you are and having a confidence in, in who you are and, and, and moving past great traumas. Yep. As well. It's like, I think the, the central theme, minus the psychosis and all that, is just how do you tackle these really hard issues on your own? And this is just, the whole thing is seeing her horrific journey through that. Yeah. Through her psychosis. And, and it the gets, torture that her own mind is putting her through. Yeah. And it's really torturous. It's really terrifying. Yeah. At times. So do you want to get into like, so I think that's, that's pretty much the story. I mean, it's, it's well, actually yeah, a very the, simple story. The one thing that I wanted to point out at the end is I love the fact that at the end she she moves on from relying so much on Dillian. Mm-hmm. She learns she's strong on her own. Uh, but you do hear that the little whispers in her ears at the very end. And then you see her kind of clench her fist and she has it under control, but she's not healed. Mental psychosis is not a thing that goes away overnight, but it's something that she's coping with and, and learning to live with. So I think that's really cool too. That mm-hmm. that's she's yeah. She's still got these, these demons in her head, so, yeah. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about, kind of the the game gameplay mechanics yeah sound design all that kind of fun shit what do you want to talk about first um let's do the gameplay uh, mechanics first so it's it's all the gameplay is really all about battling through these illusions that she's kind of dealing with in some sense and it could be like she comes to a door and there are these symbols on the door and she has to find those symbols somewhere in the environment around her or it was so fucking cool is that i don't know if you caught this or not these symbols or runes that she has to find in her environment are the mm-hmm. same runes and symbols that were lining the walls when she was solitary in confinement, where yeah. she was thrown in there. Yep. So well, she's given she meaning got to that these. From. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's that there's there's a few different kind of puzzles that you experience with the game. So that's one of those puzzles. Another one is you have these little portals, and when you go through the portal, something in the environment has changed. Whether it is a new bridge is there. Or it's that a wall has gone away, and now you can go through that wall. Uh, there's another element of, like, there's something missing in the world. And, like, the pieces of it are kind of scattered in a way that you have to align your perspective so all the pieces are back together again. Right. And completes, and it's usually a broken bridge of some kind. There's also combat mechanics, which I actually thought were the best mechanics in the game, actually. Yeah. So, start, yeah, the, that's the end of the puzzle. Like the game yeah, is very much three puzzle puzzles, plus yeah. combat, puzzle and yeah. combat, and kind of shifting between those two. I liked that the puzzle stuff was was simple. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't get overly complex. It was still at points like there was some thought involved. Yeah, it, I would say I would say this with the, the let's talk about the puzzle mechanics a little bit, and then we'll go into the combat side yeah. of things. So I will say this: the puzzle mechanics. How do I explain this? Okay, so set beforehand so you do these two little tasks before you can open the store and cross the bridge that's like really the journey to helheim those two areas i thought were at a lower par in terms of the puzzle design than the the post bridge areas sure those were those were essentially that's the part you hated i hated like those were essentially a tutorial but it wasn't a good tutorial because there was it was a poor scaling of difficulty, I think, where you'd have like really simple versions of these puzzles. And then all of a sudden it's like, OK, a little tiny thing changed, figure out what it was. And the difference was and was it like a tree had there was a part like a tree had a slightly different color on top of it. And then you could walk on top of that tree. 
I spent an hour in that area and had no idea. I think part of the problem is that I'm playing on a TV that's 720p and quite small. And so I probably didn't notice these differences. And it drove me insane <laughs> to the point of going online, watching a video of someone doing this, and being like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? That's how that was done. I was, like, really pissed. And then post the bridge, they were really smart and clever in how they guided you through. And I, I think here's the difference. The beginning portions of the games are a lot more open. They're more open environments. Yeah. Whereas I think that the posts are more linear and are a little bit more guided. And I think that's what made it less frustrating. Is that it's a more linear. The more linear this game was, the better it was. And I think it's kind of ties in that whole, like, when, you're, when the story's pulling you along to a greater degree. There wasn't a lot of story in those tutorial areas. So it's kind of more of like a, okay, I'm in this environment right now. How can I figure this out? Because there's not a lot of guidance. That's so funny that you you say that. Because we talked about last week how you texted me on a part where you're like, I don't understand the fire thing. What am I supposed to do when you look at the fire yeah. door? And I was like, you run through the fire door. And you're like, oh, I just didn't know how to run. Like The part that took you six hours, I never got stumped on a puzzle the entire oh, game. Even like in nuts. That, the, the tree thing, you're like, I, I never, the six hour chunk you spent on the first part of the game took me maybe <laughs> 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. It drove me absolutely insane. I don't know I, what it was. Maybe it is your TV, or maybe it's that you like have a little bit of, I don't know, maybe you needed to sleep, know. or maybe you're stupid. I'm probably just stupid. I think that's the most likely. <laughs> but I, I even looked on Google, and I'm like, Hellblade bad puzzles. And just like, wanted to see if people like, I'm the only one, I think. I'm the only one who's <laughs> thinking this. But it it drove me insane. I it To me, it seems like they had a different team working on the early set of puzzles over the last set of puzzles. Or maybe just the, the puzzle design clicked for me and made more sense as I got further into it. But it drove me nuts. There's one where you're in like a little, it's like quasi village. There's like two buildings and yeah. the doors in the middle of the two buildings. And there's one where you have to climb up this little watchtower, walk over and there's like a stick and then a portion of the building that are going to combine to make the shape you wanted. Yeah. I was up there for so long and I was like in the, in the roof the of that building, right? Yeah. And I couldn't find it. And I'm like, when I found it, I'm like, God damn it. What I love is it was that, that simple. I mean, as you get close to this area, you see the there little symbols start yeah. popping up here. So you know, okay, I'm Yeah, so close. I knew, I knew, yeah. So when you get close to like a certain shape, you'll start to see like that shape in like an orange kind of like, kind of like hand drawn almost like font lining or kind of surrounding you. So you yeah. know you're in the right spot. And I was looking everywhere, and I could not find anything. In your defense, that one probably was the hardest for me to find as well. But it also only took me maybe about 30 seconds of searching. Once I got to that spot, I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to be looking for? And I did that for maybe about 30 seconds. I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> didn't didn't click for me at first. But then you get to the the last half of the game. And that's where I think the puzzles really stepped up and made more sense to me. Yeah. Again, because it's kind of guiding you. But, like, there was... Um, I think it's when you are in in Helheim, and there is the 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 darkness that's following you. And if you're in the darkness, oh, the beast will gosh, like get yeah. you. Hey, that's the most horrifying portion of the entire game. There I were think. there I were parts was... of this game that were terrifying. Oh yeah. So in this portion of the of game, in this portion of the game, it's one of those find the symbols around here. But what makes it really terrifying is that there's not light everywhere. And when you're not in the light, you have to run for your life towards the nearest light source because otherwise the darkness will get you. 
And it's really just a huge mental breakdown that you end up happening. And Sinewa is just screaming and, like, thriving in, in pain, really. And you don't really kind of know what happened. But there's, like, this demonic beast sound that's kind of, like, behind you. It's unbelievably terrifying. I never understood. Was out. that was that Fenrir that was chasing you the whole time? Or was yeah, it just... Yeah, just Fenrir the whole time. There's a, gotcha. por- there's a portion where they show Fenrir behind you running. Or kind of just, like, in the background almost. So gotcha. the, it was definitely Fenrir, yeah. So that was like insanely terrifying. Speaking uh, of terrifying, yeah. The my favorite part of the game was the four uh the four shards of the sword well, that you had to do before before I I want to point about the puzzles in that in that area before we go too far into the, okay. the terrifying yeah, part. Okay. Yeah, go for it. So go like for it, go for it. but like the reason like that area of the puzzle made sense is that you were kind of guided to go into certain areas and when you're exploring you're kind of like I don't want to go down here, but I know that I have to. And so there's just like more of a mental battle I was having with myself getting to that point. Yeah. And then because it kind of guided me in a certain direction, I kind of found the area. I'm like, "Oh, this is where that puzzle is supposed to be now." And like I know I I don't know, I was kind of guided to that that section. That's all I want to say. You can say everything now, I'm sorry. Uh my favorite part of the game was the four shards of the sword mm-hmm. that you have to collect, and each one is kind of their That's own. That's where it got really good for types me, yeah. of puzzle. Yeah, mm-hmm. their their own unique type of puzzle. Uh, but kind of going off the horror thing, the one where you're where it's pitch black. Yes, and you like you can hear the monsters, and you can kind of see a faint outline of them, but you have to walk really yep. slowly mm-hmm. throughout and like dodge. And as you can kind of see them moving back and forth in front of you too, and you have to like anticipate where they're going to be i didn't breathe that entire fucking time oh i was it was absolutely it was horrifying. so so tense because there's again you can kind of see the shadows coming but there's so much uncertainty if you're even heading in the right direction you yeah. have no idea like your controller will kind of vibrate to kind of tell you you're kind of heading in the right direction but you're yep. heading in the direction for so long you're like am i ever going to get there i have no yep. idea or if you start to get even a little too close to one of these things the sounds that you start hearing yes oh my god and they will chase you too. Will they? I never actually yeah. got close enough to one that, they, that would, I would actually. They like, start to chase you. me. So if you get close, you can kind of run away, but then oh, you kind of can't hear what's going on as much. It that was unbelievably terrifying. Totally agree. That was this one thing of the about highlights. My heart is stopping right now. <laughs> there, oh, there's God, also I a really cool it. puzzle in that in the the four shards where you have to light a torch and kind of find the right path to go through. Oh, like you're yeah, letting like all the, the torches to see the... the way not to go, essentially. And I really liked that one. You yeah. can kind of like go in a loop if you go the wrong direction. That was pretty cool. I liked that one a lot. And yep. It took me a second to realize how to get around that one, because there's one point that tripped me up for a second. Not the hour I was stuck around. <laughs> but, like, a healthy amount of time to be stuck in an area that you're not an idiot for. <laughs> what were the other ones? There was the kind of very Zelda theme with the the, the big tower and the masks where yep. you're going between the old and the new version of the world and parts of it are destroyed and you have to get around it. Was it was very much like version. Light World, Dark World yeah. kind of idea there, yeah. That was pretty cool. And you're finding runes, of course, the whole time in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the fourth one? The fourth one was... Um, oh. The, you're in the water and you had to like put the bridge together. There was that one. You're in the water and you need to put the bridge together. You're following Dillion. I don't remember. Okay, well, you said you don't remember what the fourth one is, and I'm telling you what the fourth one is. And that, uh, that I think that, that doesn't click the pieces, though. That doesn't right. click for me. Maybe you're the idiot. Um, well, let's talk about the other part of the gameplay. The combat? The combat, yeah. This, I so felt, was super smooth. Super smooth, yes. Yeah. 
it started off, and I'm like, this isn't bad combat. It's just very simplistic. But then they start to ramp it up, and it starts to get very chaotic. And the enemy variety really plays into it as well. So just you're just kind of getting guys with swords. You can knock them out pretty easily. Then they show, like... The typical guy with a shield, you have to, like, bash your shield to make him stagger. Then you can, like, start hitting him. But then they start throwing some really wild enemies at you. So there's this guy who has two axes, and he moves very fast, and he's very brutal when he hits you. He can also throw the axes at you, but at a certain point, he kind of, like, turns into this, like, like, dark smoke almost. Yeah, that you can't hit. You can't hit him unless you either use your focus. We haven't talked about focus yet. So focus is when yeah. you complete a puzzle that requires perspective and kind of finding those runes or like um, looking at the shards of something and finding the right perspective on it to combine it to one again. You're you're using the right trigger to focus on those items so that we are targeting it specifically. So you can focus on enemies at a certain point in combat and it'll kind of freeze them. But when there's this shadowy kind of like smoke form, it re-reveals them again. You can also just block at the right time to also get that to happen. Yeah. Did you come across that? Yeah. That saved my life when I figured that one out because I just used a focus and then that guy turned into shadow and I'm like, damn it, I can't just, I can't do anything that will increase my focus again to get it back. And then I happened upon the, the blocking. It saved my life. But there were, it's just, there's, the combat's good because there's little tiny things that you would never notice. There's like, unless you really experimented with it. So there is, the circle is your melee uh, like attack to kind of stagger guys with shields. Yeah. You have a light attack, you have a, a heavy attack, and you have an evade button. And the focus kind of plays into it as well. But like if you do like a quick block at the right time and then hit triangle for your heavy attack, it'll send enemies flying backwards. Yep. And it's kind of like finding the opportunities to link these together. Now it starts easy because you're only facing one enemy at a time, then two at a time, but then it gets to like three at a time, which is already hard, then four at a time, then five at a time, and finally like the very last area, you're just absolutely surrounded by enemies, and it gets, it really does get brutally hard. It does, yeah. There, it it starts, so it is, I call it Dark Souls like, or light. Yes. Because it is mostly one-on-one focus, you're like hitting an enemy at a time and your camera kind of moves from enemy to enemy. But like but, Dark Souls, your your position with the enemy matters, right? Exactly, and it's it's very much about timing your dodges or your blocks, and then attacking them when they're weak or or after you've done a successful dodge or something like that. But mechanically, it doesn't get very difficult. But it you do have to get skillful with it and yes. and learn the enemy's attack patterns. I would say and things it like got that. pretty difficult. There were some points where I was really having a hard time getting past some of these enemies. There there are a couple of times in this game where it falls into the same trap that every video game does where they're going to send you just endless waves of every enemy you've ever fought and every mm-hmm. enemy type and then they're going to send yep. all the hard ones and then they're going to send a huge giant ass group and god i wish like that's not fun to me it's difficult yeah, so- for the sake of being difficult and one of them was in the warrior trial where you're trying to prove yourself to be worthy of the sword mm-hmm. and then the second one second couple were at the end of the game as you're crossing the bridge and the bridge was even harder because you don't have that open environment like you did in, in uh, what was it, like the River Styx. It's not Styx because it's not Greek, but it's kind of that same idea in Norse mythology. But you're in this like this blood lake for the warrior oh, trials. Oh, like the Sea of corpse, Corpses. Yeah, but that's oh. you had a semi-open area there, but then you're on the bridge and it, you're fighting eight or nine of these things at a time. 
and I just had to find a way to get... And sometimes they'll spawn behind you, and you don't yes. know it. Until that... you hear the voices in your head, behind you, behind you, there's a guy behind you. That was awesome. I love how they talk to you like that. I wish you kind of had yeah. that help in puzzles sometimes, because I think that would have lessened my frustration. But in combat, they are very useful. The um, That bridge part drove me absolutely insane. So yeah. this is this is literally right before you fight the final boss. There's just this bridge. You're like... They even say this is your final task. You're like, cool, I know this is it. And then you're just stuck in this endless wave of enemies, it seems like. And they're yep. really each wave is pretty hard. And it just keeps getting bigger. This, I had to I had to just dodge and get all of them on one side of me. Yeah. And then start picking them off. And then of course they would spawn behind me and I have to dodge and get my way to the other side of the bridge. It's so tough. that so this is where I realized that the permadeath mechanic doesn't actually mm. happen. Let's there's no yeah so there's there's permadeath in the game and it's a or it's really what they say it, at the it very is beginning implied of it. permadeath so the yeah. idea is that every time you die your arm will start to rot up and then as it gets up your arm and gets to your face then you'd presumably have to restart the game again yeah they they tell you in the beginning of the game they tell you if a, the darkness reaches your brain that will be the end of your journey and you'll have to restart yeah and it's not true it's not it, true and I but noticed I this fucking be- love it. Yes, because the whole time I'm playing it, I'm wondering, oh my god, I'm not going to make this through. I'm going to have this all over again because if right? if if I die one more time, then I'm and then I kept realizing, okay, I kept saying I was going to die one more time, and then I'm not, I'm not. There's nothing. There's no consequence to this, but it's still stuck in your head because you're like, okay, I don't think this is real, but it might be real. I don't know, and, and that's it, part it of the psychosis. Exactly. Like, it exactly. puts you in her spot where everything has this tiny thing that doesn't matter suddenly has such big significance. It makes, because it's it, a video game. You can die over and over and over. But when you think your save file is going to be deleted, you put a lot more power and a lot more weight into each death, and you freak yes. the fuck out over it. Yes. Like, you... So there's... You feel Senua's own, like, frustrations going through this, or her own fear. Yeah. you don't know if you're going to make it or not. Even though you're totally going to make it. It's going to be fine. Yeah, you're going to make it. It's going to be great. But I love that they put that in there, even though it's a it's a blatant lie. They tell you yeah, it'll so do what you're safe. It's a blatant lie. It makes me upset that there was already stories coming out saying that it's a sham. It's I know. Really that's why I kind of hated that you mentioned that last week during the regular podcast. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it wasn't real until after I beat the game. Okay. And I was... It, the very last battle... It didn't, it, it didn't really hit me how great of a mechanic it was until it's kind of in the last, like few levels or so yeah where it really hit me that i'm like oh okay because they say it doesn't happen but maybe it's still a thing it was still kind of in my head a little bit yeah but it would have been even more in my head if i hadn't seen that but how it works this is kind of cool so how it works is if you're in the first level of the game it'll only kind of get up to like your hand right but if you're like half of the game it'll get to your elbow and so i was at the end of the game and mine was all the way up my arm and so i kept thinking okay i'm like there so if this is a thing i'm going to find out pretty soon and then you kind of start questioning yourself, saying, okay, is there more rot? Is there not more rot? I don't really know. Like, there could be more rot there. It could be building. It could not be building. I have no idea. And it just, again, it plays into that questioning of yourself Yeah, the whole time. I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but I didn't know how fast it would travel up your arm because I only died maybe twice the whole game. Oh, wow. You did a so, lot better than I did. Yeah, so my I rot did, was... I did some certain combat sequences many, many times over because they were really? very hard. Yeah. I, I was so worried because I was like, how many times is it? Is it five times? Is it ten times? I've died twice, and it's kind of like halfway up my forearm right now. So I was freaking the fuck out. And the last battle where it is literally endless, 
and you have to come to terms with and say, hey, stop holding on to this, let yourself go, and you have to let them kill you. I fought that battle for about 20 minutes. And I just kept fighting and fighting and fighting. Yeah, and I, the, it got harder. Like, it got wavier and I got slower. And, like, you get knocked down and you're supposed to let them kill you. But I kept getting back up because I'm like, yep. I don't know. Am I, am I supposed to die here? And then that's 20 minutes that I've wasted. I'm going to have to do it all again. If I die, is that the end of the game? Did I fucking fail right at the end? So I fought that for about 20 minutes before I finally listened to the voices and say, let go, let go. And I was like, fine, I'll See, fucking do it. it. But I was that, so nervous that, about doing it. Because that was a great moment in the game, too, because those voices are always talking to you, but sometimes they don't tell you the right thing. Yeah. And so I was so like, okay, trust I'm, them or not. Well, because my, my reaction was, I'm in the room with the darkness right now. If it's going to fuck with me even more, if it's from there, it's going to fuck with me even more. And I just kept fighting again, too, because I'm like, no, I'm not going to let go. I refuse. One second. Sorry. I got a message. So that last part was, was really good, but... Because it kind of, I think, for me, highlighted the enemy design, seeing them all at once like that. Yeah. I want to talk about the enemy design for a second. I think that's one of the strongest aspects of this game. Oh, absolutely. These is the enemy were, design. were so fucking cool and terrifying looking. So we talked about Fenrir earlier. Yeah, Fenrir. Fenrir, sorry. That might be one of my favorite bosses in a game. It was just so cool how it played out. So what happens is you have uh, Dillian's head as you're carrying with you the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then you drop it down this really dark hole. And you have to go down that dark hole to get it. And at the bottom of it, Finier, who's the, the beast who's trying to kill you in the darkness, is there. And the whole area is mostly dark except for one kind of small patch of light. And you kind of have to fight him in there. And he's just this big hulking beast, which is really the big first hulking beast that you really face in the game, so you're already yeah. kind of intimidated because you're like, okay, enemies are, t are kind of tough. At least for me, they were tough. It sounds like they weren't that tough for you. <laughs> I'm just so but, good. But now I'm facing against something that's really monstrous and terrifying, and he's already killed me several times being in the darkness. I know this guy is powerful, and he'll just hide in the darkness and jump out of the darkness, and you have to listen for where he's going to be coming from to know to dodge him at the right time. Yes! Oh my god, that was so nice. The cool, the way that the three yeah. audio worked where you're listening. All right, I can hear it behind me, or I can hear yeah, it yeah, kind of over the left side, me, or like you kind of like, oh, it's only my right side right now. I, I kind of waited for it to be lined up with both headphones, and then I yeah. knew, okay, he's in front of me now. And he'd lunge out, and I'd jump out of the way. But at a certain point, he'll breathe out darkness, and the whole area goes completely dark, and you don't know what's happening. Those parts scare the crap out of me because the whole time I'm thinking, oh, oh crap, I can't die any more times. Like, I think I'm already at the end of this. <laughs> so, like, I just start dodging and dodging and dodging like crazy because I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. You can focus and then you can kind of see him. Yeah. And you start attacking him again. So, it just played off these elements. But what's great about the game is that it never tells you what to do directly. It doesn't. Yeah. So, you're kind of like, it. so you're kind of like, okay, well, if I focus right now, maybe I'll be able to see him. Like, great, cool, I can, but only for a second. And you can bat out the focus again and it's still dark and you're still terrified. Yep one of my favorite gameplay uh one of my favorite uh bosses just for how the game led you up to that point with the mechanics played out so so beautifully let's talk about some of the other bosses yeah the the, the fire guy i can't remember his name um but one of the first two kind of tutorial-esque mm -hmm. ones yeah they i thought they were so freaking brilliantly designed not only aesthetically but they were so different like um mm -hmm the in the way that the battle went and you're and you're fighting so yeah like there's the raven boss where he's flying at you and he throws like the little hooks around that can get you and and mm -hmm. then there's the more like melee focused 
not as fast as the raven guy, the, the fire guy, but what I really fucking loved about these bosses is what they represented to Senua. And it's, it's literally in her head, you don't kind of realize this at the time, but in her head, the raven is fear. And she's literally mm-hmm. confronting her own fear yeah. of, of her illness, of uh, the way that she's been treated, of herself. And then you see the fire guy that's like her confronting all of the anger and and the volatileness of her of what she's feeling towards those who killed Dillian and things like that. Like mm-hmm. she's literally confronting her demons by fighting these fucking demons. And mm-hmm. I loved that idea. And I love that you don't really get it at the time, but then you look back on it after you realize what this game is yeah. about and, and kind of the, the context of it all. It's the first story-based game that I've played that I want to replay because it will make more sense given context you get at the end of the game. Yeah. And that's I really that's what s- I mentioned. Like, the game itself is good, and then you get to the end of the game and realize just how fucking great it all was. Mm-hmm. But you don't realize that until you have context. Like, I, I'm like, fully expecting that as much as I didn't like the first half of that game, because I now know why things are playing out the way they were i'm gonna have a much stronger appreciation for for that that opening sequence for me and it's also gonna show how much confusion is a part of the game yeah and just being confusing being frustrated is part of the game that's not a risk that you see developers take often at all if yeah ever you don't want your players to feel confused but you had to feel confused for this to play out that way and I, especially in a in a this is technically it was an indie game because they self-published, but with a, a studio of this kind of pedigree, seeing them take a risk like this is mm-hmm. pretty impressive. Absolutely, you would see that like in the indie game market, like on Steam or something like that. But yeah, God, I do want to talk about this game's like place, like where I think this game's going to sit in like gaming history. But is there anything else you want to talk about about the game itself before we go into that? I want to talk about the sound design. Yeah, I thought it was literally the best sound design I've ever heard in a video game. 100% agree with you. Uh, no, whether it is from the voices in your head that are constantly talking to you from other, like you're walking across a bridge or climbing up a ladder, like, mm-hmm. look down, look down. No, don't look down. Look down. It's terrifying. Don't look down. Oh, yeah. look down. Or you hear them, like, helping you out in battle because you're so close in battle, like the camera is so close on your character that you do have a very small perspective. So they're yeah. kind of helping you out. Send you behind you or look out, block, and things it's, like that. It's great too, is how thought out everything the sound design is like at first something i was thinking about i'm like oh that doesn't work and then i thought about like no that totally works and that's like the um the lore stones you'll find a lore stone and they'll start talking to you but sometimes the voices in your head are talking to you already and then you start talking with lore stone and i'm like oh but the audio is overlaid and i'm like no but that's just how it would be like yeah you have so much happening in in your head and that's why using the headphones works so well and it's the 3d audio aspect but it also if you're watching this on a tv what i noticed was playing for the half hour is that you lose that effect of psychosis because the the sounds aren't right there. Right. I feel so isolated. They're not isolated. literally in your head. They're not literally in your head. Exactly. I feel so isolated when I play the game with headphones because of it, but that just adds to the experience even more. It's the only console game I've ever played that I've thought to myself, even if I had an amazing sound system in my house, like you do, Yeah. I would still play with headphones. It is 100% better with headphones. I did try it when Jesse came, she came home while I was playing it and it was like, oh, this is kind of weird. I'm just playing with headphones and she's on the couch beside me. So it's like, we have surround sound. This might be like very similar. So I played about 20 minutes of it just with the surround sound instead of the headphones. It's like, oh no, this is just, it's it doesn't not the work. same. And so because of the headphones and the bi audio that they have in there, like it, 
aside from VR, this is absolutely the most immersive gaming experience I've ever had. Mm-hmm. To the point where I you're like could not play this game in VR. I think oh, it'd be no. too scary. It'd be it would too be, scary. It would be way too scary. But I mean, also some other elements of it, like the the live action video. Yeah, like you, you there wouldn't really be a way to do that in VR because they would have to film it from a 360 degrees with so many mm-hmm. different cameras where now they film it from one angle and that's the angle you see in the game because it's also controlled. Yeah. But also in VR, it wouldn't work because so much of it is them controlling what you're seeing with the camera. Yes. Yeah. The, the live action, it's, it's also, this is the first game for me that they've put live action elements in to coincide with the, the kind of CGI elements in the yeah. game. And it works so well because the graphics are just that good. Yes. Yeah. Then facial animations and, She's one of the most believable characters in the game for the writing and all that kind of stuff, of course, but because of the facial expressions and yeah. how she moves and animates. And her you performance. Her performance. You were saying in the last episode, uh, not this week's last episode, but like last week's last episode, where that was just one of the video editors and they yeah, kind of used it her to stage certain things and they're going to hire a real, uh, a real actor to get in there. And like, actually, we just like your performance, so just keep doing this. Yeah. And she was great. There were some people complaining about her performance, apparently. I don't know what you can complain about. It was, it was pretty perfect. Oh, no. It was stellar. One of my favorite characters, one of my favorite performances in video games from all, mm-hmm. of all time. Yeah. She's one of the most human characters to ever be in a video game. Yeah. She's not some superhero badass or anything like that. She's a badass, but not for for the same reasons that like Nathan Drake would be a badass or Laura Croft would be a badass. Sam Esner. She's just she's a she's so flawed as a human. Yeah. And it works brilliantly. And they play off the flaws in the gameplay. It's just everything plays well into itself. Sorry, I went off on a little tangent there. But it's just it's just that good. It's just yeah. that good. It really is. Uh, You're getting me you guys... really excited about talking about this game now. Like, I was really liking the game, and now we're talking about it. I'm like, I really fucking love this game. I know. I'm so excited for you to watch that short documentary uh, yes. in the game as well, because that's the kind of thing where when they actually show you, all right, these are the behavioral and psychologist, uh, like, the experts that we brought in on the game, and then they have, mm-hmm. like, eight or nine real-life people with these types yeah. of psychoses that they're working with, and they interview them, and they say, all right, what kind of things do you see? And they describe their experiences in real life, and then they literally show you in the game how they implemented that as a mechanic, and seeing the two, like, I'm going, oh, that's look at this, cool. look at these goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps you, right I, now. So My we're, we're FaceTiming right now. He has goosebumps, literal goosebumps I do, right now. I, I do. saw them. Just thinking how cool, like, seeing the development aspect of that game and seeing how they are directly implemented with the mm-hmm. gameplay mechanics or with the audio just makes you appreciate it even that much more. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you want to talk about in the game? Um, I would just, I just want to talk about like your favorite areas of the game. Sure. Like, what are your kind of favorite like, moments? You can start if you want to. Um, I already have one on my top of my head if you want. Go for it. Okay, so the I think the Sea of Corpses was just so hellish yeah. so what happens is you're walking and there's a few persons you're walking through water in this case you're walking through rivers of blood yeah and there are the, these hands coming out of the of the walls to grab you in the beginning which mm-hmm. is one of my biggest fears actually it sounds really stupid but really when i was a kid i watched this youtube video and i can probably find it and send it to you where there's like this hand monster and it's really convincing and pretty real looking. And all these hands start coming out of the walls to try to grab at someone. And it freaks me out. And it's one of the most terrifying things I've seen to this day. And that's in the game. And I'm like, no, don't do this to me. It freaked me out so much. There are bodies coming out of the walls and stuff. 
accompanied by the rivers of blood, and looking up, there's just this giant storm. It's just so atmospheric and absolutely terrifying that I, the whole time I'm playing it out, I'm like, this has got to be one of the last levels of the game because it's just it's just so intense right now. And then it keeps going after that. Yeah. So that's one of my favorite areas of the game. There's also Helheim, which is where the darkness is chasing you. We've already talked about that, so I won't go too much into that. But just being in the darkness and being afraid to go forward. Yeah. It looks like Jimmy afraid. Like in The Last of Us, I was afraid to go forward, but I'm like, I'm going to go forward because I'm going to. Like, I'll be fine. Whereas this is, I'm like, I legitimately don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. This game has fucked with me so much, I don't know what's going to happen. So that was also a highlight for me in the game as well. I loved it all. I can't think of any one particular location that I'm like... <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, aesthetically, the, the Sea of Corpses was so freaking cool. It's just all so good. It's just all so good. I'm going to look up real quick pictures of the fourth trial so I can remember what that fucking thing was because you oh i did the trials out of order i think i i i did them on the island i did them kind of counterclockwise which apparently if you got the lore stones it said it was out of order um oh speaking of it did you did you get all the lore stones I did not. I'm like, oh, I did a good job. I think I got all of them. And then you get to the end where they fill in the gate. I'm like, that's a lot of red letters that didn't oh, get really? filled in. Yeah, it was not not a whole lot of them, but I got the majority of them. I got every single one of them. There's a, a small little video that you unlock as you are. I ended up watching it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I got all of them because I was like, oh, I looked at the trophy list and I was like, Oh man, this is really like the only like collectibles trophy. I thought there would be one for like all the times you get to see her mom like in the statues. I was mm-hmm. like, all right, gotta make sure I see her mom, but that turns out to only be like two places. Um, but yeah, I got all of them. Got that platinum. That was a good, rewarding platinum. By the way, you totally sent me a screenshot of you getting that platinum in a spoiler full area. I mean, it's literally just a picture of her lying on the ground. The only reason I did that is because it was a quick, easy way for me to get that screenshot so I could post it online. Because if I send you, if I share that from my PS4, there's no like email to yourself or something like that. Oh, so I sent it to you as a message, and then I went to the iOS app and saved it to my phone. So I was trying to take a screenshot too, but it was in the middle of combat. I'm like, I gotta get a screenshot of this. This is too funny. There is a point in Helheim where you go into this room that's completely dark, and you have to fill the torches to see the blood pattern. That's the shape on the floor, right? Yeah. Before you go to the last torch, there's an enemy there. And you drop your torch, except my torch just kept floating in the middle of the arena, like five feet above ground. (laughs) (laughs) And I kept trying to get a screenshot of it because I thought it was hysterical. But the enemy was too fast and I couldn't do it because when you go to hit a screenshot, it doesn't pause the game. Uh. I came so close to dying and I don't think I got the screenshot. (laughs) I never got it. I was so upset. The swamp. That's the fourth one. Yes, the one where you f- walk through the water and fill in the bridge, just like I said. That doesn't that's ring a so bell many at all. Holden. That's every part of the game. There's a part where you walk through water and build a bridge. There's like two. If you just want to say the word swamp, you... you failed me. Well, nope, I didn't fail you. You failed me. Prove it. I think the audio that we've recorded is enough. Our so will tell us. that was Hellblade. Send you a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It is right now kind of battling horizon it's it's like a close second i think to horizon for my game of the year uh one of my favorite games of all time 
obviously if you're listening to this hopefully you've played the game otherwise stop go back in time erase your memory and go buy the game for 30 bucks i think the fact that it was 30 bucks too is like so let's, there's let's no get, reason not to get this game let's get into that because i think that's that's the one of the big stories in terms of the game and its place in the industry yeah all the stuff we talked about is really great and all but i think the fact that this is a 30 dollar game and it's as solid of an experience that it is opens doors for other experimental games like this to come out and I'm really excited about this. And I really hope that, you know, in 10 years, we look back at Hellblade and say, because Hellblade happened, we had all these other really incredible experiences come out as well. Did you read... There was a, a letter from Ninja Theory about pre-ordering this game. I did um, not see that. It was a couple months ago. God damn it, I wish I could find this letter right now. Um, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. There was a letter from Ninja Theory when they were talking they were trying to like push pre-orders, and they just wrote an open letter to the gaming industry and to customers everywhere that said, Hey, we have a game coming out that we believe a lot in. Uh, we want to put the mid-range developer, that double-A title, we want to make that a thing again. Right now it's just triple-A's and indies and there's no space in between. That's why we know we're a small team. We have a lot of ambition and we have a lot of hope in this game, but we understand we're a small team and that's why we've priced it appropriately. It's 30 bucks. Uh, so if you could, please pre-order it for us. It would help us out a lot and getting our name out there, things like that. But it was a really humbling letter from them that perfectly defines where they are hoping to be in this mm -hmm. industry yeah. and and kind of what's missing and what we're trying to build back to or what they hope to build well, back sure. up. Well, I think what's happened in the industry, and I, I don't think that anyone's really going to debate this, but things have kind of become stale a little bit in the sense that, like, I, I'm going to use your favorite game of the year as an example of this, so I'm sorry, but, like, Horizon, from what I played, was a really, really solid game. Beyond the story, I didn't really get the sense there were a lot of original gameplay ideas. Really? Even For in me. all those different weapons? I'm I didn't like shooting a bow, that's not that original. You didn't get the trip caster and the Okay, all right, fine. Okay, that's rope caster and I guess I forgot about that stuff. All right. You're making me look like a fool now, Chad. You also but like, you, you but never like, even got to the nothing, good part of the story. Right, but nothing nothing in terms of the kind of experimentation we saw in Hellblade. The ability oh, to trip no. enemies does not compare to I can't, battling psychosis. I can't psychosis. think of anything in recent memory in the last few years that does takes any risks as much as Hellblade does. Exactly, but I think that the fact that like the big gameplay innovation in Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm not putting that game down at all, by the way. I'm just saying that like because it's a AAA game, they can't make super serious risks like this. The big innovation was being able to trip enemies. Like, I don't think I don't... that's what everyone is freaking out about. How good horizon was no, no no i agree but like they're saying hey we're gonna try some new things in here and that's the kind of stuff they did again there's nothing wrong with that because they're making a triple a game they can't make big risks because they can't lose that much money but if you have these double a game experiences they're like hey let's just go wild with this and do something you've never seen in gaming before yeah. whereas like horizon stuff is a further uh, like say evolutionary step from other open world action rpgs that existed before it there's nothing wrong with that but it doesn't, that kind of thing doesn't allow for game-changing experiences 
that Hellblade offers and that other games could offer when there's not as much money in the line. I feel like you're mad at me for saying this. No, I, I, I think you haven't played enough of Horizon to speak with any kind of like I'll use I don't think what you're saying is example. accurate enough. I do think yes, it doesn't take the the risk that Hellblade does, but nothing yeah. does. But yeah. uh, I do I do encourage you to actually go back and and play Horizon. That's on my for backlog real. of games. I'm gonna play. That. Yeah, it's actually and then I'm then you realize Last that it is a lot. Horizon. It's a lot more different than you think it is. Okay, so well, I'll say like Fallout Four as an example. Really fun game. Really enjoyed that. But is it really that much different than Fallout Three? Not really. No, there's some slight differences. There's like the creation elements and all that. But I'd say like adding creation to a game is not innovative. It's kind of like, hey, Minecraft did it, so let's just try that in our game too. Minecraft was a double A game. It's yeah. not. I mean, it's indie, but it's, it was, it's it was more than a that. Little baby indie, and then like yeah. it became eventually over time. Yeah. yeah. So like to see this experimentation to really push the industry forward, we need the niche that Hellblade has created. Yeah. And I think in that regard, it's probably one of the most important games of all time. Of all time. Of all time. Yeah, I, I would love for to. For where we to... currently see it right now. I mean, that could change, obviously, depending on what happens in the next 10, 15 years. But like, for right now, it seems like if this opens the doors that I hope it will, it could be one of the most important games of all time. Yeah, I just hope it gets enough coverage and enough press and enough people play it. I think it has. To realize it. I think it. I think it has got enough press. If people bought it or not is a different story. So here's one thing that I noticed looking at the trophy list. It seems like about a third of people finished the game. Who buy the game, a third of people finish it. I'm not sure that's a good yeah. track record or not. But if they were as frustrated as I was, they're going to leave the game saying, "Ah, eh, hell, it was kind of eh." And it never... cracks me up that you were so I was lost so, in the beginning. So lost in the beginning. So <laughs> I, I really hope that's how people's experience with it because it is so innovative i feel there's never been a game that combines storytelling and gameplay and and honestly lofty concepts in such a cohesive manner yeah i concur doctor um i got my phd in hellblade hellblade phd well that has to be the end of this discussion because my computer's at three percent battery and i don't feel like getting up to get the charger but that was right. a an enthralling fifty minutes. That was that's a long time. Yeah, that was almost as long as the episode we just recorded. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Send us your impressions. If you hated it, send us that too, and then I'll judge you. Uh, thank you for joining me, Holden. Join us next week for some stuff that we talk about. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. Tiger lilies. <laughs> <laughs>